True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the special live question and answer event with the True Crime Broads on what is Missy Beaver's um, anniversary of her death. Um, we are so looking forward to discussing this case with you guys, and we're also looking forward to you know, hearing what questions you have and different theories. So without further ado, let's welcome both of our lovely guests this evening, both Crystal and Renee from the True Crime Broads podcast. Welcome, ladies. Hello, Hi. Melissa. Thank you so much for having us. 
Yeah, we're so happy to be here. So like I had mentioned a little bit earlier, um, so this is actually the anniversary of Missy's death, right? Yes. Five years ago today, believe it or not. Wow, that is so crazy to go that long without answers. And I, I know we have spoken about this case before. And um, I know we've mentioned that it's um, shocking that it hasn't been solved with, you know, the video evidence and whatnot. It's pretty incredible. We just uh, don't know what's going on with the investigation. You know, as you know, the police department there in Midlothian, Texas has been very tight lipped. And I know that's probably what they need to do for the investigation, but it's frustrating to those of us in the public. That's so true. So as we're kind of waiting for people to join us, um, do you guys want to talk a little bit about how um, you guys got involved in uh, Missy's case? Sure. <clears throat> Me and uh, Crystal, we um, I know we've talked about this before. We both got involved in this case pretty much right at the beginning when it happened. Um, she used to live close to the Ellis County area, you know, and I still live in Ellis County. Um, I used to work with Missy a long time ago, probably a couple years before this happened. And um, so we found some groups and um, started talking to people about the case, you know, in the discussion groups. And we met there and we've been talking ever since. And then we decided to do the podcast so we could keep the focus on her case, keep it open. That's right. We became, we became fast friends discussing Missy for quite some time. And, you know, now we talk about everything. We talk about our kids and our husbands and our dogs and our cats. But, you know, we've gotten to be friends throughout this process. And um, that's been a lot of fun. But, you know, we really just want to bring closure to Missy's family. And so while we don't really expect to be the ones that solve the case, we certainly try to do everything we can to maybe encourage people to come forward that might have a tip. Um, and, you know, the news about the new reward amount has just been amazing. Um, I can't believe how big the reward is now. We're really hoping that that will make a difference in the investigation. Yeah, that was pretty amazing to hear about. Um, do you guys want to talk about that a little bit? <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, well, one of the great things about it is, is that um, we also, um, we got, we got a message from a listener and a person who's followed this case, you know, from, I guess, the beginning. And um, they, you know, showed interest in wanting to donate some money. So we went ahead and, um, talked to them. They decided to donate the $100,000 to the reward fund. And at the time it was 40,000. Um, so that made it 140,000. And then just a few days ago, we got another $10,000 and that makes it a total of 150,000. Wow. That is just spectacular. I mean, that is so amazing to know that people want to see this case solved so badly that they're actually willing to donate to it. That's just so cool, in my opinion. It really is. So guys, if you have any questions, we're going to encourage you to comment down below. We're watching all the different um, feeds. If you do have any questions, um, please comment. Um, otherwise, do you guys want to kind of give a brief overview of Missy's case?
Okay. And do you guys want to go ahead and just give a brief overview of uh, Missy's case? Yeah. Okay. So basically, um, in 2000, of course, April 18th, 2016, uh, Missy was the Camp Gladiator fitness trainer, one of the ones for the Ellis County area. Um, she had several places where she would hold classes. I think maybe like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, it might have been at 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. at one location, and then another one Tuesday and Thursday at like 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. or something like that. It's not exact, but I'm just giving an example. So she was setting up a class, fitness class, at the Creekside Church in Midlothian, Texas. Um, she had a couple of campers that would come in a little bit early. And so she would get there a little early so they could, I think it was because maybe it conflicted with their work schedule. So she would get there actually a lot early instead of getting there just a little bit before five, she would get there a little closer to four fifteen or so. So she was going to set up for a camp gladiator class. And from what we understand, she went into the building, started unloading things from her truck and was immediately attacked and murdered um, the campers, there was a, one camper that was there that was waiting. Uh, they were new, so they didn't know how to get into the building. Um, then when the other ones showed up that were the early arrivers, one of them had a flat. So she finally got there, which was later than normal. She showed up, got into the building, and that's when they found Missy dead. I'm getting a little bit of feedback from you guys too um, that we're having some issues having people getting into the actual live stream. If you're trying to watch and you're having some issues, I would say maybe go to the Victimology podcast page. Um, try to get in and watch that way. Um, it looks like we might be having a little bit of issues with the one um, event page. So okay. I'm sorry about that, you guys. And I'm, seeing, I'm seeing that we're getting lots of comments and questions. Um, Catrice, thanks for popping in. And yes, we're hoping that the increase in the reward will find the killer. That would be amazing. We're just hoping it has an impact on the investigation. We're really thinking it probably will, because if anyone was holding back information and really wasn't sure, hopefully $150,000 reward would kind of push people to the point where they think, okay, it's worth it. I'm going to say something. So we had a comment come through um, saying, justice for Missy, that's awesome. Hopefully money will lead to the killer. Yeah. Hopefully someone will come forward. That's right. Um, yeah. all right. We have a question from Christy. She said, what do y'all know about the campers that found her? You know, we really don't know that much. We know that one of them was one of the early arrivers. Um, Missy had two women who on a regular basis would come to the five o'clock class 30 minutes early. So they would actually start working out at 430 while Missy was setting up for the class. And, you know, Missy would be there to spot them and say, hey, you know, let me correct your form, that kind of thing. But they were really working out independently those first 30 minutes. So um, it, one of those women didn't go because of the rain and the other woman was half an hour late cause she had a flat tire. But when she got there around five o'clock, my understanding from what we've heard from, you know, interviews and things like that is that that one early arriver is the one that let the rest of the people, five o'clock. A, a little bit of a crowd had, accumulated and they realized something was wrong with Missy. So that one early arriver was the one who knew how to get inside the building. Hi, Molly. 
Okay. Yes. Hi, Molly. Thanks for joining us. Um, okay. So we're still waiting on some questions to come in. I'm sorry, guys. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties on Brown our one. end. But um, so um, as far as the campers, now I remember when you guys came on my show, we talked about um, like weird circumstances um, arounding the campers. How, what, what, what wasn't it? Both of them usually came in much earlier, but there were things that had stopped them. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, that's what I was just kind of going over was there was, we call them the early arrivers and those two ladies normally would work out at four 30 and this particular morning, since it was raining so hard, one of the four 30 workout ladies didn't even go at all. She stayed home, but the other lady, coincidentally, she had a flat tire. The other woman who normally works out at 4.30. So she didn't get there till 5. So it was a, it was an unusual morning for Missy's schedule. So it's really interesting. It, it, I mean, my guess, we've talked about this a lot, but my guess is that that was just a coincidence and a really lucky break for the perpetrator because the perpetrator couldn't have known that those two women would both have a different schedule that morning. More than likely, Renee, what do you think? I think that maybe the perpetrator just didn't even know that there was two women that came at 4.30. Yeah, I really don't think they knew either. I think they got really lucky all the way around because, um, you know, that the one had the flat tire. The other, you know, the rain kept her. She just decided not to come. And, I mean, had they been there, things probably would have worked out a whole lot different. So, I agree. Hi, Bailey. Hi. Bailey, thanks for popping in. That's my son's girlfriend. She's very cute. Hi, Bailey. Oh. She's a big, she's oh, a big fan of, she loves true crime and um, she's been listening to true crime broad. So thank you, Bailey, for popping in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Molly, I agree with you. Perfect storm. I really, really think that this perpetrator had a lot of lucky breaks that morning. Mm -hmm. So we've yeah. got two questions, actually one from Molly and then one also from Donna Elmore. Um, both wanting to know, um, was there any DNA at the scene? I think that's one of the biggest questions. Yes, there was. And oddly, it was only mentioned in one local article. And was it the Waxahachie Light, Renee? I think it was. It was the one that, that talks about the uh, the new fresh eyes on the Yeah. Case. I yeah. can't remember if it was the Midlothian Mirror or the Waxahachie Light. It was one of those local papers. And it was buried, like Renee said, it was buried in an article about how they brought on a fresh set of eyes to head up the investigation. And then they just sort of offhandedly toward the bottom of the article, they said there was some DNA found. And Assistant Police Chief Kevin Johnson said it was not enough. It was mixed and partial DNA. So um, from what we understand is they do still have that and they sent it to a lab. And we're just really hoping and praying that the with the way DNA testing improves, that they will hopefully be able to do something with that someday. Mm -hmm. I was hoping that that the... Um, information that came out in January about the new technology in DNA was going to make a difference. I guess they haven't quite got there, but I think it will soon. Hoping yes. it is. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 And he never elaborated and the, the media interestingly never followed up on that question about the DNA. So we really don't know what he meant by mixed and partial DNA, but 
he did make it clear, um, Kevin Johnson in that article, that it was not usable. So that's unfortunate, but we can really hope and pray that that changes, you know, maybe with some different technology, they can make some sense out of it. Yeah, you hear that happen all the time. You hear about um, a case that's got, you know, that's old and they use the DNA that they had and then they figured out who the killer was. So I'm, we're hoping that that happens soon. Yes. Does anyone have any connections with the campers? Catrice is asking. Um, oh, Molly, thank you for linking that article I was talking about. Thank you. Oh, good. I'm not seeing that, so I must be missing something on here. Um, look, you, you it's see there. Where it says, hey, Renee, oh. you see where it says private chat? Click I see on it. Comments and you'll see it. So if you guys want to check out that article, that's right there in the actual log of the chat. Um, now, um, here is a good comment from Catrice. Um, I think that's why the perpetrators keep casing the building because she didn't know who she was, or excuse me, but because she didn't know who was all in the building. Oh, very true. Um, is she talking about, um, oh, Sorry, I see what she's saying. She's saying when they were walking around the building, all, kind of checking out to oh, make sure nobody's there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Patrice, I see what you did there saying because she didn't know who was all in the building. That's a really <laughs> big... A really big discussion topic as to whether or not the perp is a man or a woman. Um, I can pull up some pictures if you guys want to kind of talk about that. This is my favorite part of it. <laughs> oh, you know what, Catrice, we forgot to answer your question. If anyone has connections with the campers, we really don't. I had spoken to someone who knew one of them well, but that was really it. Renee, am I missing something about the no, Okay. No, we, we talked to some people that uh, were, were over Missy and that, that, you know, she stayed with, but not the campers that were there when they found her. No, there's no, we don't have any connection. Not for a lack of trying though, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, I'm pulling up some pictures, you guys. It's tiny Hi, Beverly. One. I'm going to start sharing my screen so people can see. Hi, Beverly. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Norman has a good question. What about the oh, ominous? Yeah. What about the ominous LinkedIn message that Missy received? Yeah, that was really weird. They, the media, uh, the police were very careful not to release the content of the creepy and strange message. They always refer to it as creepy and strange. So, you know, that can mean anything. So, but she did receive that message just a couple of days before she was murdered. And it was from an unknown male. So potentially that was the perpetrator using a fake account. Um, I mean, we're just guessing. We don't know. But she had shown that LinkedIn message to a friend of hers and said, oh my gosh, look at this weird message. And the friend goes, oh, that is creepy or whatever. And so when Missy got killed a couple of days later, that friend came forward and reported that message to the police. The police did get a LinkedIn warrant. They did investigate that. They have never updated the public or the media, nobody, about what they found or if they found anything. That's another mystery in this case. That's another thing that keeps um, 
I mean, I think, but it's one of the things that points to this being targeted because, you know, she just happened to get that message a couple days before she's murdered and she thinks it's creepy and strange. Her friend does. They don't have a clue who it is. And then two days later, she's murdered. So, I mean, I think right. that's another piece of the puzzle. I agree. Okay, we got another um, comment from Norman saying, where did the killer get the self-defense equipment? Which that is a very good question as well, because if we all are looking at the screen right now, we can see exactly what the perp was wearing, which is well, and and, and we don't know what kind of equipment that is. That person, it could be the spouse of somebody in law enforcement that just had this kind of stuff in the house. Um, I don't necessarily think it's self-defense equipment. I know there are people who have said that in the past. We just don't know what that is. I mean, Renee thinks it's some street clothes combined with some police gear. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, there was a, an HLN show on this case called Murder in the Church. And there was a retired investigator on there who said it looked like vintage SWAT gear, to vintage tactical gear to him. So mm -hmm. honestly, we've pretty much heard it all. Um, we don't know what it is. And, you know, the video is not clear enough to really see if it's a costume or if it's legit or if it's maybe a combination of legitimate police stuff and street clothes. We just really don't know. I mean, I think that some of the things that they have on were to um, obviously protect themselves from injury or from being, um, you know, unveiled i guess you know where people get she could see who it was but they were covered up i think for to protect themselves and and to protect themselves not just from the cameras and you know from anything like that but also from being injured because right. i have like it looks like knee pads or shins and a helmet and so forth so i mean it could be a double thing here it could protect them in two different ways right right from detection and from her fighting back and also um there's sort of a theatrical element. My husband made the comment the other night that I thought was really interesting. He compared Missy's killer to sort of the Nazis uniforms and sort of the theatrics that went on with the Nazis. And I had never thought of that before he said it. It was kind of an interesting conversation we had. But I think that there's a theatrics element to this. Um, there was really, it was a really overboard, that outfit. There was a lot of stuff on and you don't really need a police tactical outfit for that to do something that horrible, but it worked out just great for them because they haven't been caught in five years. So. Very true. There you have it. Now, um, let's see. So someone had asked um, if the killer has a prosthetic leg. Now I think that's, um, you know, I, I'm not sure we can necessarily tell it, but you guys did have, what was it? A forensic podiatrist on or a, someone on your, um, uh, Dr. Nuremberg. Yeah. He was, um, he was somebody that the, that the police got with and, um, he, he never mentioned it being a prosthetic leg. He just talked about the, I think he was the one that basically, um, went over people and had them walk and he could tell in, in his expertise he could tell if it was the person he could exclude them or include them as being possibly the person in the church um, but plastic leg has never been mentioned to my knowledge I know there are people that say they that it looks like a prosthetic leg I don't particularly agree I think it's the way 
the purpose standing and the, the pant leg is coming up around and you can see the ankle on that one side. But I mean, obviously we don't know. I agree, Renee. I don't see that either, but gosh, I really hope the perp does have a prosthetic leg because that's going to narrow down the pool of suspects. Absolutely. A lot, but I don't see it either. And the forensic podiatrist that Melissa was talking about was um, hired, was, I guess he volunteered. I almost said hired, but he volunteered his time to MPD to help in this case. And he had analyzed the video and he never said anything about a prosthetic leg, but he did say that he could eliminate and, you know, certain people and not eliminate others based on the video. Right. I agree, Catrice. Someone must know something. Oh, Cindy Coons is asking what the message said. And we do not have the content. Unfortunately, that was never released, the LinkedIn message. Yeah, I wish we knew, but we don't. I've said this before, but I feel like when police say that a message is like creepy or weird, like that usually means it's pretty, pretty bad i would think that makes sense yeah that you sounds know? like that they would normally understate things that makes sense yeah something something definitely must have been up with that message um now someone named jenny had asked um we had already gone over this but who found her but um the other question was um how did the killer get in the killer broke in from what we understand is a um, a door that was on the opposite side of the building from when Missy, where Missy would come in and they broke the glass and reached in and unlocked the door. Is that what you understand, Renee? We really, the, the police have never spelled that out, but Renee, is that what you're thinking? Yes. Uh, we've been told at, at first it was told that they broke into the kitchen, but I think uh, later we heard that they broke in from the North East side, Northwest side of the building and there was some broken glass by the kitchen. So I don't know if there was like two, they entered it through one door, but the other one was just, they broke some glass there. I really don't understand that part, but yeah, that's what I had heard too, what you just said, so. Okay, we got another question from Molly. Um, she said, do you all have an opinion on why MPD won't release more info? I basically think that they won't release anymore because they feel like it's, um, you know, going to preserve the case and not give up too much information. I mean, I personally wish they would give up something more, even if it was another 10 seconds of the video of the perp walking around the church. But that's what we think. We've never really been told the reason why they won't, but I, that's just my opinion. They won't do it because they're afraid that they will, you know, mess the case in some way, fashion or form. And that, and their job is to make sure that once this perp is caught, that they can be convicted and put away. I agree. Okay. Now, someone did ask in um, the comments about, you know, how tall her father-in-law is, but I feel like that's one of the biggest um, misconceptions around this case. Do you guys want to talk about that a little bit, about um, the possibility of the father-in-law being involved? The father-in-law gets mentioned a lot. Um, I feel like I feel like the reason, and this is just me, um, I feel like the reason the father-in-law gets mentioned so much is because of the walk. Um, I don't think that there's a lot, in my opinion, there's not much more that people really perceive as it being the father-in-law. Um, 
but we hear that a lot. And I feel like there's a couple things. Number one, I feel like his height is he's too tall. I don't know how tall he is. I know somebody asked that in here, but I don't know how tall he is, but I think he's just a little bit shorter than Brandon uh, from what I've seen in pictures. He also has a condition and I can't, say it properly because I'm not looking at the word, but something like espondylosis or something like that. And it, what it is, is it basically is, has to do with his spine where it connects to his skull and it keeps him from being able to throw his head back. Like you see the perp do when the perp is at the split door, you know, when they open that door and I guess they're expecting the whole door to open and just half of it opens and they kind of throw their head back like, Oh, wow. And that's something that he can't do with the condition he has. And I can't remember how to say it properly, but you get my drift. But um, that's that's just kind of my opinion. It's I, I just don't see that it could be Randy Beavers. Among many other reasons, he was in California. He was verified three ways to Sunday. He was I think they verified him by cell tower, his phone pings, um, talking to people that they stayed with at their campsite or whatever people that they had spent time with at the golf course or something. I, Chris will probably remember some of this better than I do, but they, they verified him many ways that, that can confirm that he was in California when he said he was. So, yep, Are you there? Chris? Oh. That's okay. Like I said, I'm sorry, you guys, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty tonight, but keep those questions coming in, guys. Um, let's see. So Glow Ortega made a comment saying, if the killer broke in, he or she must have known that there wasn't any kind of an alarm system. What do we think about that? That's a really good point. Um. You know, they, they, they may have known. I don't I don't know that. The, I, I really don't have opinion too much on whether they knew the church or didn't know the church, because there's times when you see the perp walking around and they look like they're looking like I don't know where I'm at looking for someone or something, uh, you know, like, for instance, a specific place where they may need to be going and they're not sure where that is. Um, but I mean, it could have been a thing like this is also a thought I had where they broke into the little small window by the kitchen area and then, you know, maybe left and waited to see if anything happened, any police came or anything like that. And then once they didn't, then they went to the place where they actually broke in and got into the church. That's kind of what I thought, which would answer the question of why they were able to do it. And, you know, cause they didn't know there was an alarm or not. There is a sign when you pull into the church parking lot that says, you know, this, this is, um, secured by surveillance cameras. So usually, in my mind, if I'm seeing a surveillance camera sign, they're probably going to have an alarm system also. That's what I would think. Yeah, so way of checking it, you know. Yeah, this person was very bold. I mean, I'm not sure I would have been so confident that I could get away with this. I mean, they're on camera. They don't know if there's an alarm. Apparently, there's cameras outside for all they know, even though they weren't working. Um, they, I don't know if they knew that. It's just a lot of strange stuff. They did get very lucky, that's for sure. So speaking of surveillance cameras and whatnot, um, let's talk about the Altima like Molly had asked. I think this is definitely a very interesting uh, point of topic. Yes. <laughs> 
I'm going to pull up the pictures if you guys want to kind of go into it. Okay. The Nissan Altima is never actually seen at the church. I think there's a little bit of a misconception out there that maybe the Altima was seen casing the church, circling the church. It was actually seen a couple of hours before the murder, a little bit up the street, across the street, catacorn across the street at a gun store called SWFA. And as locals know, that's a large gun store that is catacorn across 287 from the church. And the Nissan Altima pulls in, kind of flashes their lights, like turns them off and then back on. Just a little bit of peculiar, you know, actions. They're, they go very slowly around the building and then they end up landing in a parking spot under a street light and they stay there for a little bit. And then they circle around some more and leave. And a lot of people think, and I thought this initially was possible too, and I still think it's possible, that they were waiting to see if maybe p- potentially the perp or an accomplice tried to break in. And then they went across the street to wait to see if maybe a silent alarm was tripped and the police would come. Something like that. Um, we don't know. We honestly don't even know if this Nissan Altima has anything to do with the murder. Or is that just a bizarre coincidence that somebody was acting weird, you know, in a Nissan Altima across the street and it got caught on the it was actually caught on the surveillance video at the gun store and the gun store owner released it. Police had released a still photograph of the Ultima, but then the SWFA guy, he went ahead and just released the video. And so people have pretty much assumed that it's involved, but we really don't have any proof that that Nissan Ultima has anything to do with this, but it's definitely a mystery car. And MPD as recently as just the other day when they, release the update the press release for the five-year anniversary they said they're still interested in finding out who was driving that car um there's one thing i'd like to point out i know a lot of people have um speculated that when the car is going around the swfa they go around they pull in the parking lot and they go around the back side and they go all the way to the back well back there on the back side is a and I'm not sure how to pronounce this correctly, but it's a, an, a, a bird array. It's kind of like a, a multi birdhouse. There's like, it's like a circle of birdhouses. And um, it, when you first see it, it looks similar to like a, a bunch of cameras or something. So I think um, that that caught the person off guard. They're thinking, holy crap, there's a bunch of cameras facing me. And so they kind of like panic. Plus, there's two cars back there. So it could have been one or the other or maybe both. And so they kind of panic for a second. They turn their lights off because if they were signaling somebody, they would have been facing the other direction. So they're technically facing east, but they would have needed to face west if they were signaling somebody at the church. So they panic. They turn their lights off and then they're like, oh, that's nothing. And they turn them back on and they just go on about their, their business. You know, that's if, if we're saying this car is involved and like we don't. We're not 100% sure, but if it is, um, I I feel like that's what's happening here. Hey, I agree. And also, hey, Molly had an interesting comment that I have wondered myself. She said, I wonder how often weird things like that happen at SWFA. And that's true because we only know about what was caught on camera that night. It would be interesting to know if people... You know, because it was pounding rain, it's possible that person just needed to pull over and gather their thoughts for a few minutes. They were sick of driving down the highway in the rain and 
They may not even be from the area. They could have been totally just passing through. There's a lot of through traffic on 287 during the night. It wouldn't necessarily need to be a local person at all. So I agree, Molly. I would like to know, too, how do those cameras pick up odd behavior? You know, it could be a regular thing for all we know. I think that um, I actually can kind of answer that question. Um, And I've never been asked in that way. So that's why I've never really said anything. But I I did ask at one point um, if there was if this was something that they felt like was significant enough that they would, you know, it would need to be seen by everybody obviously and they're the ones that released it and they said that they've never had anything like that happen before they've had weird things happen and they posted them on their swfa page um i think it's actually a youtube page maybe but anyway they have some videos of a few weird things that happen but they said never anything like that interesting yep we should start keeping an eye on that page that would be interesting yes absolutely yeah, Kelly Chance just confirmed what you said. There was a statement by SWFA that that was totally out of the norm. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, and Bill Kelly. Hey, Bill from our group. He said he contacted SWFA to ask that question, and the person who answered the email didn't know and wasn't willing to look into it. Yeah, they have like a general email, and I think it just goes to who whomever is working that day to answer it, and they probably, maybe they just didn't know. But. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got a question from Lonnie Hughes saying, what caused Missy's fatal wound? MPD never released that. We don't know. Um, They have implied that it was blunt force trauma, potentially from that claw hammer that the perp was carrying. But we don't know. Police has been very tight-lipped about her cause of death. Autopsy has been sealed since day one. What do you think, Renee? Yep. That's all they've ever said to us. Uh, Um. Injuries to her head and chest, blunt force trauma to her head and chest. That's all they've ever mentioned. So that's all we have to go on. So, and like Crystal said, we, we don't know because they've, nothing's been released. Um, basically her, you know, death certificate is just pending investigation. And I guess until this is, I guess until this is solved, it's not ever going to say. Right. Okay. Let's check. All right. Any other questions, you guys? There was a question here by Donna Elmore that I think might have got missed. Oh, I found it. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. Do you think she was targeted or could it have just been she caught someone breaking in? This is another uh, question that a lot of people ask. Um, A lot of people, we've discussed it in our group a ton of times. Um, I mean, I guess it kind of goes on your your own opinion. because everybody, you know, sees it differently. I particularly think that it was, she was targeted. I mean, and there's many things in my opinion that point to her being targeted. Um, I mean, it happened so quickly after she entered the building. Um, she entered the church at, you know, what was it, 420? And within just a few minutes, uh, campers were arriving. So she had to have been killed quickly and the perpetrator had to have left quickly. Um, you know, different, just so many things to me that point to targeted. I mean, nothing was taken from the church. 
Um, I mean, if they had broke in and they were going to be taking something or they were going to do vandalism or uh, whatever the case might have been, you would think you would see them doing some of those things. But all you really see is them walking around the church, kind of just meandering around, looking in this room, looking in that room. And maybe they're just getting familiar with the church or where they think she's going to be when she starts holding the class. I really don't know. Maybe they're looking for, uh, you know, the place where you uh, control the cameras. You know, I don't know. But in my opinion, if they were breaking in and they were trying to do something else, you would have seen them doing it. And they didn't do anything else. They didn't bring a bag. They carry things in. You know, nothing like that happened. So in my opinion, it's targeted. But you do hear people often say it was untargeted because we can't figure out who the person was and because um, there's really no proof that, you know, she was the target. It could have just been wrong time, wrong place. I feel like also the brutality of the murder speaks volumes. Um, I think that if somebody was there to break in and do some damage to the church and she came in, they could have done so many, it could have just, it was just so brutal that to me it just spoke, this is personal, you know? It didn't speak like, I'm trying to get you out of my way and I'm getting the heck out of here. That, that well, didn't happen. And Renee, I know we've talked about this a lot, but I also think another reason why she didn't surprise someone who broke in simply because, you know, if it had happened maybe two minutes after the perpetrator broke in, I would feel differently. But they were apparently there for half an hour. Right. And really hadn't done anything yet. They just kind of fiddled around with some things. They didn't, they weren't vandalizing hardcore. They weren't, you know, trying to gather things up. Like Cheryl McCollum said on our episode with her, they would just be working nonstop those 30 minutes, you know, trying to get out of there. And they probably wouldn't still be there in 30 minutes if that, if, if the goal was to steal and, you know, they would want to get out of there quickly. So I feel like they were definitely waiting for Missy. Yeah. I agree. All right. Our next question is, can you explain the gun FBI deal? Thoughts and opinions. Um, we, we feel like this is something that... You know, we don't really understand. We asked an FBI person, um, Bobby Chacon, who was also interviewed on our podcast. And you can listen to that podcast and hear what he has to say about it. Apparently, murderdata.org is not actually the FBI's website. It's um, something else. Um, and they do list a 45-year-old female who has died from a gunshot wound in Midlothian on that date. Well, we can all figure out that was Missy, right? Um, but we don't really fully understand um, why it was reported that way. Um, it's safe to assume that she was shot, but the police have never released that. And, you know, I feel a little bit irresponsible talking about it because if they wanted that information hidden, I feel terrible talking about it if it's going to hurt the case. But I do know that that information has been spread around quite a bit long before Renee and I finally admitted that we had heard the same thing. So, I mean, it's out there. I don't think MPD wanted it out there, but it got out. What do you think, Renee? Oh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I mean, I, I remember when he explained that to us. It was It was interesting because we had no idea. We thought that the FBI, you know, put that information on there and that's absolutely not how it works. So that was interesting, but 
Yeah, they wanted to keep a lot of the stuff to, on this case to, you know, uh, close to their vest. They wanted to be able to confront the killer with the information that they had and be able to, you know, how it just, you have to do that in a case like this so that you have enough evidence to convict and put them away. And if you let all that information out, then you have nothing to confront the killer with. And that's the part about that makes this really hard. Um, but you know, some of this information got out, and at that point, there was nothing anybody could do. We just try to, I guess, skirt around it. <laughs> yeah, and I also think there was another thing that happened early on. Um, somebody had pulled the warrants, um, uh, I'm sorry, had pulled the CSI report from Ellis County uh, Sheriff's Office, and they forgot to redact some things, and I think that contributed to, to the gun information getting out in addition to these online reports that people found that they thought was from the FBI. I just think a lot of information has been swirling around about a gun. And I kind of feel that MPD would have preferred that not get out. That's just my opinion. Okay. And then question from George Hart. Did Missy use her phone before entering the church? Is that something we know? No, we, we um, on one of the CSI reports, they talk about um, inventory of her truck and they talk about her iPad, her phone and her purse. So, I mean, we don't know if she did right before she went in the church, but we know she didn't have it with her when she entered the building because it was in her truck. That's kind of weird. Was she known to leave her things in her truck? Do we know that? We don't. I mean, I, I'm assuming in my mind, you know, she was going to unload everything and then probably get that last. But her one of her doors was open. So I thought that was kind of strange. Maybe she just opened the passenger door to grab the keys to the church or something and then went in and was going to come back and get that all up and, you know, close everything up. But we don't know anything about that part. Hmm. Oh, hey, Lonnie, we don't know the answer to the question about the fatal wound. Um, MPD never said what the fatal wound was. They just said that she had puncture wounds is the way they worded it. The MPD told us early on she had puncture wounds to the head and chest. Um, just um, by people who uh, reported that they were there, first responders and stuff said that it was a very, very horribly gory scene and i'm sorry if anyone's listening that knew missy i hate to say things like that it sounds insensitive um but it was it was a very violent death and with or without a gunshot is what we understand okay Now, I don't know how much we can necessarily say about this, but um question from Sharon said, do you guys have any personal opinions on who might have done it? Yes, I definitely do. What about you, Renee? I do. We've been, we've been studying this case for five years and um, probably in the last half of a year, I feel like I know who might have done it, but I've thought I knew who it was before too. So I definitely I'm taking my own <laughs> opinion with a grain of salt. So um, 
there's just been the thing that's one of the things that's so bizarre about this case is there are so many potential persons of interest that could fit, you know, you know what I mean, Renee? We've talked about this. There are so many people that could fit the profile and it's just pretty bizarre how many people there are. I don't know if all cases are like this because I haven't been this close to another case. I mean, we've, we've all followed, you know, Renee and I have followed all kinds of cases, Darlie Routier, Scott Peterson over the years, uh, Melly McGuire, the suitcase murder. But this is the most intimate I've ever been with a case. And to just see all the persons of interest and how many of them it could feasibly. I mean, I could talk myself into thinking it's any probably one of five people. Yeah, exactly. And and they've changed a, a couple of times over the years. But yeah, I agree with that. Here's a good question from Melissa Bolin. Who was the last person to see her alive? Uh, Renee, I think, wouldn't that be uh, her daughters or her her daughters or her husband? Yeah, one of the two. Probably all of them. I would say the four of them would be the last ones that saw her alive because she went to bed early the night before. Oh, wait, Brandon was already gone, right? Wasn't he already out of town? This part, this part confuses me. I know that I know that her uh, girls probably seen her, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to, I can't remember on him. I feel like I think she, came, she came in late. He came in, she came in late Sunday, right? No, she got home late Saturday, Saturday. night. Saturday, Saturday night, night, yeah. Yeah. And then he left... Yeah, I would say her daughters, we can say for sure, because I think he had already gone on the trip. Yeah. So she would have seen them. But that's a really good question. It was definitely her immediate family there at the house. Right. Until the killer arrived. The killer was the last person to see her alive. Okay. And then a question from Ginny. Has there been any thought to whether it may have been a former member of the exercise group? That has come up in discussions. I do not know if Midlothian police considered it. They certainly questioned every single person that was there that morning in her class. Um, And I have to hope that they questioned the people who weren't there for whatever reason or had come and gone in the class because these classes are kind of transient nature. I think you've got a hardcore group of people that go every week, just about, and then people kind of trickle in and out. So I know they spoke to the people that were present that morning. They interviewed all of them. So I don't know to what extent any of them were suspects. Okay. All right. As we're wrapping up, do you guys have any thoughts you guys want to share in closing? Renee, you got anything? We wanted to um, uh, add a few things. Um, One thing I wanted to to mention is that recently there has been um, an increase in the reward amount. It's been increased from 40,000 
somebody, an anonymous person donated $100,000, which some of you may already know. But we also got another um, addition to that reward money, another 10000 which totals it to $150,000. Amazing. I wanted to make sure everybody knew that. Oh, Kelly Chance asked us if the height, that five foot, eight inches that came from police, if that's to the top of the helmet. And Kelly, yes, it is. The police said that that would be up to the top of the helmet. So while the perpetrator measures 5'8 there in the church, more than likely in real life, they could be closer to 5'5", five five, depending on how, how much, you know, height that helmet puts on. And, and of course, if they're wearing tactical boots, that might put a half an inch on you. I'm not sure. But yeah, 5'8 is what the height of the perpetrator is with all the gear on, including the helmet. Good question. Right. And Bill Kelly asked, um, are those people that you suspect male, female, or one or two of each? I've actually suspected a female and a male. So, Yeah, and I, I, I suspect a female. I'm not ruling out a male accomplice, but I feel like it's a female in the church that did the actual murder. I agree. Brandon was out of town, according to Robert Myers. Robert Myers said, did y'all know Missy or just take an interest in the case? Um, Robert, I actually was from the area and saw it on the news the day, the morning it happened. And Missy's children are the same age as my children. And I'm Missy's age. And Renee actually knew Missy personally. I worked with her um, back in 2013 and 14. We worked at the same company and I often went over to her house to get merchandise and a product from the company that we worked for. So I saw her probably, I don't know, two or three times a week um, for, for about a year. So that's how I knew her. We got a very, very nice comment from Brandy Lotman. Thank you so much. She just appreciates that we, took the time to do this and thank you very much for the oh, nice that's comment. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then um, Molly had said, any thoughts as to more than one perp? I feel like there, there's more than one perpetrator in this. I feel like um, that there's, well, there's times when I see the video and I, and most of the time, this is how I feel. I feel like I see two different people in the church and I know that's, probably far-fetched to some people or whatever, but I see two different types of boots. I see two different types of pants. Um, I see even a different type of walk. I see one, I feel like is walking a little faster than the other one walks a little bit slower. Um, so I, I kind of feel like there are two parts. Maybe one was uh, a lookout and the other, you know, obviously one of them killed Missy and the other one was a lookout maybe for when she showed up or maybe someone else showing up because they didn't want to get surprised by another person coming in and, you know, uh, get caught off that way. But that's kind of the way I feel. I know everybody doesn't feel that way. How about you, Crystal? I think it's, I really feel like MPD would have told us, it, told us if it was two, but I'm not against it. I just personally don't see two different people. But I think that so that's kind of another thing that's so interesting about this case is that so many people can look at that same surveillance footage from the church that morning and see something totally different. Some people say it's definitely a man. Some people say it's definitely a woman. Some people say there's two people. Some people say there's definitely one. Really interesting that you can just go round and round. And um, I hope that at least know more than we do. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Um, Robert Myers said that he graduated with Missy and that she is his cousin. Oh, that's, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss, Robert. Thank you for joining us tonight. 
So we're getting some memories shared of um, Missy now too. Um, Melissa Bowen said Melissa or Missy had such a sweet spirit. My daughter took dance with her daughters praying for justice. Oh, yeah. She really did have a sweet spirit. She, um, I've always said this and I probably have said it every single time I've ever spoke about Missy, but I've always said that she was very humble and she was very sweet and she was genuine. So I totally agree with you, Melissa. So, well, thank you everyone so much for joining us this evening and Renee and Crystal, thank you so much for taking time out of hey, your day. To thank sit you, and Melissa. Talk with us. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. hosting. I also wanted to give a shout out to one of our listeners. His name is, his name is Dale Nobles. We've gotten to be friends with him over the past year since he started listening to our podcast. And he actually is the one that introduced us to Melissa in the first place. So yeah, we just absolutely. want to say thank you for that connection. We've really enjoyed our relationship with Melissa. And thank you, Melissa, for doing this tonight. Oh, of course. Yeah, thank you very much. And just a reminder, you guys, you can see the, um, I'm hopefully you guys can see the uh, billboard. Um, uh, you know, there's a tip line right there. Um, if you guys have any information regarding Missy's case. So thank you all so much. You guys all have a nice rest of your night. And remember, stay safe. Thank Thanks you very so much. much. Thank you. Right, bye. Yes. Yeah.